Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was going to tell you a joke about dirt, but it's beneath us. If you just got the bio to Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a clown. Your show was better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent to Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Tacey, my wife. Hello, Tacey. Hello, everyone. This is a show. I mean, hi, everybody. <laughs> this, oh, yeah, you were doing your Dave Landau impression. I didn't mean to. Do, I'm so sorry. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323, a.k.a. 347-POOHEAD, because Tacey won't say it. Nope. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. You know, um, I was just thinking, it's just really been in the last year. Did that dog just knock the fan off? <laughs> How come I the think fan? she did. She's freaked out by the fan, and somehow she figured out a way to turn it off. What the hell? Maybe she's not as dumb as we think she, she no, is. She's dumb, but she's smart in certain things. Maybe she's, she's like sweet. a savant. Yeah. She's smart in being sweet and uh, smart in turning the fan off. That's weird. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Okay. Um, I was just thinking, uh, we're, this is one of our vacation shows, so it will be brief. But uh, we'll try to answer as many questions as we can. But I was just thinking the intro has been so much more fun since I started uh, intercalating those hateful comments that people made uh, to, to our show. And each one of them is about four to six seconds long, and they fit perfectly with the intro. Here's the one that we're using now. Whoops. Uh-oh. Ah, oh, dang it. Hang on. Hang on. My fault. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! That's my favorite. But we also have this one. Fucking medical question. Come on, man. I've got diphtheria crushing my. Is that the same guy? No, I don't know. I don't know. 
And then there's this one, this woman who I love. Can you please stop bullshitting and get to the question? I've got the. I mean, they're perfect. And then there's this I think this they one. just want questions, Steve. And then there's this one. Well, she did. God damn, this is about as boring as sex with my wife. I've got the theory. I mean, they fit perfectly. <laughs> so I want to know who those people are, if any of those people are still around, because that was some old school stuff right there from way back in the early Sirius XM days. But there's this guy. Your show was better when you had medical questions. AIDS! And this you guy. You a single fucking medical question. Oh, and then, please stop bullshitting and get to the question. And then this guy. God damn, this is about as boring as... Okay, so if you are one of those people or you know who they are, please get in touch with me. I don't know what we'll do. Maybe I'll send you some tchotchkes or something, but I just would like to give you recognition on the air because it's given me no end to joy. Just like <laughs> Dee from Nashville, her her phone call still is one of my favorite things that we ever had on this show. Let me see if I can find it. You remember, you know what I'm talking about? And you met Dee. I remember meeting her, but no, I don't remember the... Oh, my goodness. Let me see. Um, uh, this, I, oh, this well, is we're not going to answer, answer medical questions. We're going down memory lane today. <laughs> this is memory lane day. Let me see. Uh, I may not be able to find it. We are going to answer questions, so Okay, here it is. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, my name is Dee. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I am calling because you said something about a worse medical smell. I was sitting in with the dentist one day. A man came in. His jaw was swollen. The doctor had a round probe, was moving his jaw out of the way. The probe brushed up against whatever the lesion was inside of his mouth. And some shit came out of it that looked like oh, green peas, like pea soup. Okay, that's and disgusting. the smell was so nauseatingly bad that I quit school, and I am a realtor now. <laughs> I'm not doing anything in the medical profession because that smell was just, like, unreal. unlike anything I had ever heard before. So there you go. Hope that makes the air. Bye. Uh, I hope it made the air. Yeah, I was dubbed as the greatest phone call ever, so... And uh, since then, we've, you know, we've had Dee in the studio. She's great on the air. If she didn't live so far away, four and a half hours away, she'd be a regular. But anyway, it's hilarious. It, it, the shit smelled so bad that she quit school and went into real estate. <laughs> it's far away from anything that you could possibly do with regard to medical uh, care. So that's great. All right. So, um, yeah. So if you are one of those people or you know who they are, we would like to get in touch with you. All right, let's um, take some questions. Are you ready for that? Of course. Okay. With my vast hey, medical Steve, knowledge. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? We'll be around hey, your way a little bit. Yeah. Um, listen, I got to ask because it's killing me. Yeah. What's your opinion on ivermectin uh -huh. and COVID? Is it blown up? Is it being touted conspiracy theory tinfoil hat? business or is it a legitimate you know uh solution for treating COVID? uh well okay so yes and maybe yes and i've got another we had two questions on our hey dr this steve this is steve in new york i can you listen to joe rogan 1671 is what brett weinstein and Dude, I don't have like six hours to listen to a Joe Rogan podcast, but I'm sure you'll summarize it. Dr. Corey. I love Dr. Joe. Pierre Jesus. Corey. And um, they talk about this 
drug for COVID called ivermectin or something like ivermectin. Yep. And um, they say that there's a lot of hope and promise in that. Yes. The um, CDC and uh, WHO and even um, YouTube is shutting down all to all talk about it. See, this is what's not true. Go to clinicaltrials.com. If you want to see if the scientific community is giving this drug the proper attention that it deserves, because ivermectin is something that we give to people with parasitic infections, but it also is known to have antiviral properties. So um, the problem I have with so much of this stuff with COVID-19 is because it's become politicized. So everything that you said has truth in it, every single thing. Yes, it has promise. Yes, people are being censored. But uh, it, it, here's the thing. If you want, again, if you want to know if the scientific community is giving it the credit or the attention that it's due, go to clinicaltrials.gov. Type in COVID-19 for the disease and the keyword ivermectin, 72 studies. Here's ivermectin nasal spray for COVID-19 patients, ivermectin treatment efficacy, sorry, in COVID-19 high-risk patients. That's recruiting. Clinical trial of ivermectin plus doxycycline for the treatment of confirmed COVID-19 infection. Ivermectin for severe COVID-19 management. You know, uh, uh, here's outpatient use of ivermectin. That one was withdrawn. That was at Temple University. Um, you know, there's 72 studies here. So it's being and a, a recent meta-analysis came out saying, yeah, looks like the data in some of these smaller studies is looking pretty good. What we need is a large-scale, randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind, placebo-controlled study. Uh, it doesn't have to be placebo-controlled twice. That would be... Um, the Department of Redundancy Department taste. <laughs> so anyway, um, but we do need that. And once we have that, and there's a statistically significant uh, result that shows a positive result in whatever, symptoms, uh, hospitalizations, deaths, any of those, we'll take it. Um and our transmissibility or adverse effects, long COVID, maybe it prevents long COVID, or maybe you give it to people early and it can prevent people from going into the hospital. Whatever the statistically significant positive result is and the safety, in other words, the, the benefit outweighs the risk of taking it, the hell, we'll write it for everybody, you know, that, that it's appropriate for, that we have data for. Uh, I am not cool with people getting on shows and saying, oh, this stuff is a panacea for this, because we don't know that. And I, But I am also not cool, and I am way more not cool with this, is YouTube and other uh, outlets just deleting people's posts if they're posting about ivermectin. I can get on right now and summarize these 72 studies, and there is a decent chance that I, my post will get uh, uh, tossed off of social media. That is bullshit. And as a libertarian, I like I said, I'm not really cool with people saying it's a panacea, but that's their right to say it, and people have the right to make up their own decisions on this. They may not have the right to go to a pharmacy and just demand a uh, scheduled, or not a scheduled drug, but a um, 
a, you know, a prescription drug that's required by the FDA. That we can debate. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, people should be able to talk about it. And even if it's tinfoil hat stuff, which there may be, people should be able to talk about that, too. I am very irritated about the censorship that goes on, which makes people that much more political, in my opinion. What sayest thou, Tacey? Oh, you're reading your uh, Facebook, so. Um, yeah, she just, sorry. She just tunes me out while I'm, uh, when I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Do you even know what I said? It's okay if you don't. Uh, some of these. Well, no, I think I think the censorship on Facebook and all that's really just ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, here's this one. So ivermectin for severe COVID nineteen management. The problem with it is they had thirty patients. These are kind of pilot studies. Uh, they had thirty patients in each of the control and study groups. During the study, six patients were excluded from the study group, so they got down to twenty four. Um, as a result, 66 patients were included in the study, six were excluded, and the study was completed with 30 patients in both groups. So that's good. So I can't, um, I can't crunch this data on the fly to see if it is, uh, if it's good data or not. It's impossible to do, but it's a very small study. I mean, it just goes on for pages and pages, but they will publish this. And uh, you can look at for ivermectin. Uh, meta-analysis and ivermectin systematic review and you can see where they've taken these smaller studies pooled the data and then got a statistically significant positive result I'm fine with that but that's not the same thing and and, and that just tells you that this bears a large-scale double-blind placebo-controlled study that's what it tells you you know so anyway so yeah totally cool with with um Studying it, it's obviously a drug that we have to study and we need to know the answer because it may be, because ivermectin, hell, it's a pretty damn safe and well-tolerated drug. Now, if I had somebody that I'd tried every other damn thing on, would I push to try this? If I had any knowledge whatsoever, even a crummier study, an observational study that said that it worked on a critically ill person, hell yeah, I'd advocate for it if everything else was failing, if they're going to die. Uh, if we don't do something, I would advocate for its use. I would have no problem doing that. You can do compassionate use for people if it's a last-ditch effort. But the the problem is that's not what we're really interested in for these drugs. What we're interested in is drugs that we can give to people at the first sign of infection that will keep them from progressing to severe infection. And that you can't just start throwing drugs at people. You need to do that the right way, you know. All right. All right. So, yeah, not being censored in the scientific community. People having opinions about it are being censored, and the people who are censoring them can kiss my ass. That's the best I can say. All right. Dr. Scott's not here, but this is one. Hey, hey Dr. C- Dr. Steve, Dr. Hey. Scott. Hey, man. How are you? This is Paul from New York. Hey, Paul. Thanks Great. for calling. Good to hear. So, <laughs> I, was I getting think it wrong. my question is probably more aimed at Dr. Scott. Oh, well. I have lower back issues, uh, some bulging discs in my lower back, and uh, I'm a heavy equipment mechanic for a living. And um, I was driving in my service truck the other day and was listening to the radio, and I heard uh, an advertisement for a chiropractic 
firm that was in the area, and he was advertising uh, a procedure I'd never heard of, saying it was a therapy called uh, Cox Flexion Distraction, and it oh. was some. Well, if you're flexing on my cocks, I say I'm big and distracted, oh, don't you think, you, Taste? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sorry. Special table uh, that you would lay on and he would do these treatments on and that after a few sessions it actually could cause the bulging disc to recede back into its normal position. Um, I was curious if this is a legitimate treatment or I know there's a fair bit of quackery involved in uh, in some of the uh, chiropractic. Well, I wouldn't say that so much. There, are, There's quackery everywhere. And uh, chiropractic has some pretty good data when it comes to back pain. No question about that. So it's um, <clears throat> when you get... Well, I'll, I'll just leave it there. So I'm looking at um, Cox Flexion Distraction. It says it's a gentle, non-force adjusting approach. So in other words, they're not cracking your back. The thing that most patients notice is the special table. The movements of this table help traction the spine, which feel, feels good, I'll tell you that. Opening up compressed spinal discs and reducing pressure on facet joints of the spine. Well, one of the problems is, is that we... We're upright a lot of the time. When we're not upright, we're supine or horizontal. But um, we're either putting traction, you know, axial uh, pressure on the discs between our vertebral bodies or we're, you know, flat on our back. But it's either it's one or the other. And we never really kind of take that pressure off. When you're laying down, it's sort of neutral. But um, that we never do the opposite. So that's why I bought the inversion table. The inversion table for me helps to take the pressure off of the um, uh, the spine, the spinal nerve bundle that's being compressed by the fact that my my uh, spine is out of alignment with this thing called spondylolisthesis. That's where instead of stacking on top of each other, my vertebrae, one of them is more forward than it should be. And when it does that, that it, it affects the shape of the hole that the two of them are supposed to make together to allow the uh, 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 nerves to pass through from the spine down to my leg. And so because of that, it's pinched all the time and it causes pain. Doing the inversion table helps to reverse that somewhat. And this looks pretty similar, but they're, I think they're targeting people with uh, bulging discs. And it says, um, this highly effective technique combines osteopathic principles with the specific highly directed approach used in chiropractic. The combination, well, okay, let me see. Um, it says, lying on the table, neutralizing the effects of gravity, we're able to gently separate spinal joints and move them through a more normal range of motion. Patients find this surprisingly pleasant. We find it powerfully effective. And then they use... The example of an accordion, you know, gently drawing apart each joint like an accordion allows the spine to reset, and the pumping action hmm, enhances soft tissue nutrition and rehabilitation. Well, I'm not opposed to this. I, I, I found a YouTube video. It's just Cox Flexion and Distraction. I just want to, this one is 2 minutes and 56 seconds. We won't play the whole thing. I just want to see 
what Dr. it looks Jenny like. Dr. Jenny Practic here again. This morning, I want to demonstrate for you guys a technique that we do in the office called Cox Flexion Distraction. Um, it was invented by... Boy, you got to be careful how you say that, though. Dr. James Cox, and that's why it's named that. Um, with this... Oh, he owned uh, that um, place where you could buy spirits. The l- Cox Liquor Store? Cox Liquor Yeah, there you go, Tyson. You got it. All right, let's see. Technique we're gonna do today is I'm gonna be um, okay. Just show us how. how the, well, it's a radio to, show. I know, I know. Okay, I'm trying. I just want to see what they're actually doing. Space oh. Space in here and help get some pressure okay. released through those. Now, okay. So what this guy is is he's laying on his stomach, and they have this table that is hinged right around the hip joint, and she's pushing on his low back and then pushing down on the. Uh, the part of the table where his feet are, and it's so it's causing the hinge to flex toward the floor, and that's stretching his spine while she's stabilizing it at the same time. Low back, those lumbar discs that get compressed. Very and it's cracking. You hear that? Um, this is super helpful for someone that has disc compression. That, that the may be going, um, Okay, so that's basically. Let me see if they do anything, anything else here. Let's see. Okay, oh, oh, okay, now the table also is swivels at the hip, so she can move his legs to the left I've or the right. I've been on that table. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this actually, I think this could help some people. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's okay to try it. Look, chiropractic, it, most of the time, isn't that expensive unless you get into a thing where you got to go week after week after week after week. But um, I think this would be, I would try this. For what I've got, because what I it's a mechanical problem. I have a mechanical problem where nerves are being compressed because of the way that my spine is aligned. And this thing looks like it could at least temporarily give you some relief by uh, uh, moving some of those bones out of the way. Yeah, I think this is cool. I think I I thought it would be uh, motorized that it would be something that'd yeah, be kind of undulating. Um, my friend in Myrtle Beach. Uh, we we went to see a, a chiropractor. Um, it was kind of like a massage kind of thing. But yeah. His table did that, and I I have lower back issues, and it did feel really amazing. Yeah. Really. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah I'm I'm ago. I'm cool with it. I know probably a lot of people thought that I would uh, crap on it, but I'm not going to crap on that. But definitely a, a question not for today, for since Scott's not here. Right, except I already answered it. I'm except for you already it. answered it. <laughs> now, Dr. Scott would say also do that, but also come see a, a DOM. Um, that's a Diplomat of Oriental Medicine. That's somebody that did a four-year doctorate-level degree in uh, acupuncture, and uh, they could augment that with uh, some needles and stuff like that. So that's, I'm telling you that's what Dr. Scott would say. Yeah. And throw in some astragalus and you'd be fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hello. How are you? Good, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good, good, good. Listen, I uh, am a pharmacist, so Excellent. I should know the answer to this question, but it's not really something that we discuss in school. So I'm going to my favorite source of all things tricky. Yay. Uh, which would be you. Thank you. So... Here's the question. I take uh, estrace, an estrogen cream, intravaginally, 
if I'm taking this regularly, like I'm supposed to be doing it uh, twice a week, we'll say, for uh, UTIs. Anyway, I want to know if I'm having regular sex with my husband, how will that affect him? Okay, thank you for your answer in advance, and I look forward to uh, hearing it. Talk to you soon. Thanks. This is a brilliant question, and um, I appreciate Dr. D calling in. Different D, by the way. Um, there is actually, if you look at the package insert of the estrogen vaginal creams, which she's right, she's using it for uh, recurrent UTIs, but really what it is is she probably had a cystocele. So a cystocele is um, the bottom wall of the bladder is the top wall of the vagina. And when the top wall of the vagina gets uh, thinned out because of menopause or lack of estrogen, uh, then the wall gets weakened and the bladder will drop into the vagina. It doesn't have to do it much to then cause problems with incomplete emptying of the bladder. You can imagine that, you know, if it's blooped down like that, you're trying to pee and you can't get everything out. Uh, if, if it's a really severe cystocele, it can sometimes actually prolapse out of the vaginal entrance. And those people need a thing called a pessary or they need surgery. But she probably had very mild uh, vaginal wall weakness and uh, problems with uh, incomplete bladder emptying, which then results in higher risk of having urinary tract infections because there's more urine to hanging around to get infected. So intravaginal cream can be used to thicken the wall of the vagina and strengthen that wall, that upper wall so it returns the bladder to its normal shape. And you have better lubrication, better intercourse, all kinds of stuff. Now, if you look at the package insert, one of the warnings is avoid exposing your male sexual partner to your vaginal estrogen cream or suppository by not having sexual intercourse right after using these medicines. They don't define what right after means, but I would say that would be within hours. So with testosterone, you don't want to have intercourse if you're using uh, um, testosterone in the chestal area uh, to have intercourse with your shirt off, with your partner with her shirt off within four hours. And now this stuff does absorb... But uh, for him to get a significant dose, there'd have to be loose vaginal cream in there. So I would say four to eight hours. And, you know, if it's every once in a while, it's no big deal. It's just if you're using vaginal cream every day, which she is, and she's using it twice a week, and then having intercourse every day, you could get a significant exposure to estrogen. And then he would grow boobies? Well, maybe. Hmm. Could, could they, you know, there's, could, could, that could be one thing. Uh, you just don't want to have uh, an imbalance in your testosterone, estrogen uh, in your body. So he could lose, he could get erectile dysfunction. He could get, uh, lose his libido, stuff like that. I have never, by the way, I believe this is very hypothetical because I've never seen this ever happen. I've never known of it ever happening. And it would be interesting to see if there is a single clinical study at PubMed uh, .gov, let's just look, um, male exposure to female intravaginal estrogen. So we're going to see if there's even a single article on that. And, oh, <laughs> there's lots of them, but they're this, 
Okay, but it's all intrauterine. I don't see anything environmental estrogen. Um, nope, I'm not seeing anything that has anything to do with. Here we go, absorption of vaginal estrogen cream during sexual intercourse. Now let's see if they talk at all about men. To determine if intercourse changed serum estradiol levels in women you know, using vaginal E2 cream or in their male partners. Give yourself a bill! So the results, serum E2 levels were higher in 8 of 10 men after intercourse with vaginal estradiol cream, and this resulted in a small but significant increase in the estradiol levels as compared to placebo. <clears throat> so it was uh, small but significant. The P was 0.03. So yeah, paradoxically, intercourse resulted in markedly lower estradiol levels in women as compared to absence. What? So it says here, men absorb vaginal estradiol during intercourse, whereas intercourse reduces estradiol absorption in women. Okay, so, yeah, sex right after putting it in is bad for the woman and bad for the guy. Uh, although serum estradiol levels were only mildly elevated in men, as possible long-term exposure could cause feminizing changes. In women, estradiol levels were markedly reduced by intercourse. So <clears throat> the question is, how long do you have to wait? I'm going to say... Eight hours now. <laughs> I'm changing it from four to eight. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe you don't have sex on the days that uh, that you uh, put the estradiol, you know, the estrogen cream in. That's interesting, isn't it? That is a delightful question. She wins uh, the uh, question of the week and maybe the month because mm. uh, we uh, all of us learn something. So there you go. All right. I thought you were going to say something. Nope, got nothing to say. Contribute something while I was looking for nope, another question. Nope, not going to do that. <laughs> oh, hi there, Dr. Steve. Hello. It's Natalie in northern Ontario, Canada. Hello, Natalie. As I get ready to wrap up a school year, I'm an elementary school principal. We all know that elementary schools are just basically germ factories. Yes. So here's my question to you. Common colds, many of them are caused by coronaviruses. I just had my second Moderna shot, Excellent. which is protecting me against COVID-19, which is also a coronavirus. Because the mRNA vaccines are targeting the protein spikes, will they offer me any protection against common colds and other snot and boogers and whatnot that the kids are bringing into the school building? I'm just hoping that this will give me a little bit of extra protection on that front, too. Yeah. Be curious to hear what you have to say. Thanks much. Say hi, oh, 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 wait. hi to Dr. Scott. And you know what? I really miss having Tacey on the air with you. She was a good foil for you guys. There you go. Take care. Aww, Bye-bye. See, nice. see Tace. Uh, she's lying. <laughs> uh, the, the, the answer is we don't think so, but we don't know. We don't really know. We don't test for the other coronaviruses usually. When people uh, die from coronaviruses during the non-pandemic times, it's usually people who are already really sick, the elderly, and they will die from what we call atypical viral pneumonia or just viral pneumonia or just atypical pneumonia, and they hardly ever test for them. Uh, there are some research studies that do test for those things. That's how we know that uh, coronaviruses kill about 10,000 people a year, but it gets lost in the noise. So uh, I think that when, for the next couple of years, we should be testing everybody for all of these viruses just to see 
if there is an effect from the mRNA vaccine on other coronaviruses. They're, the reason that they're distinct is because their spike protein is distinct. And I think that's why really most people think that that um, we're only going to get protection against this one. But, we, you know, we we'll ne- won't know until we do the studies. So interesting. Interesting. Yep. And I'm uh, getting my uh, booster study. I Actually, we're doing this one several days before I'm going to have the booster, but it's going to air several weeks after. So we'll know if... Uh, if, if if we see I am legend, then we'll know that the, <laughs> that things didn't go well when I had my booster vaccine. You remember in in uh, I am legend they had a um, uh, cancer vaccine, and it was Emma Tom. Oh, is it Emma Thompson? I don't know. Kenneth Branagh's ex, and uh, she's like, "Yep, we've got this vaccine." He, he kind of set you up thinking, "Well, if Emma's in this, I mean, she's a huge actress. She's not just going to have a bit part." And uh, she says, "Yep, we developed this uh, vaccine against cancer, and the cancer is going to be no more." And then it's like two years later, they just flash forward, and it's just zombies everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, you should read the book. The book was, um, uh, if I remember correctly, was also called "I Am Legend," and the book. They were sort of vampire things, and I'm just going to spoil the ending. But don't he, do that. He, well, it's honey. The book came out in 1950. I mean, oh, okay. It's um, but the the upshot was, and it was so much better than the movie where he just shows up at this place and it's like, oh, we're safe here. It was like, no, he met with the zombie things, the zombie vampires. And uh, they were like, dude, we're terrified of you. You can go out during the day. We can't, you know, all this stuff. And they were, they were, they were as afraid of him as he was afraid of them, which I thought was kind of a cooler ending. Anyway, the, read the book uh, that uh, Day the Earth Stood Still came from, too, and you'll find a much more interesting approach to uh, that uh, situation than was done in either one of the movies. Anyway, all right. Well, listen, uh, thanks, Tacey. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Chowdy1008, the Port Charlotte Whore, uh, Vic's Nether Fluids, Carl's Deviated Septum, uh, Steve Tucci, and uh, Bernie and Sid, Fez Watley, and Ron Bennington, who supported this show, has never gone on appreciate. We're just out of time. I can't do the whole list today. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners and voicemails uh, and topic ideas who have made this job very easy. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, Taze. Bye, everybody. All right, see you later. 